welcome back to the Breaking Bad Insider Podcast. My name is Kelly Dixon. We're here to talk about episode number 507. Uh, what You call this the penultimate episode, right? Penultimate. Is penultimate. That the, the, word? the penultimate word I, don't, I don't think that's only Vince's word. Number, <laughs> I, no, I just, I had never heard the episode, the name of that before I came here. So I, I just never knew what the second one was called. I mean, the second to last one was penultimate. Called. Penultimate. So we're here to talk about the penultimate episode, number 507, and it is called... Tom Schnauz? Say my name. Say my name. Whose name would that be? No. <laughs> of course, you've all seen it by now, and you know that name is Heisenberg. So uh, I'm here with Vince Gilligan. Hello. I'm here with uh, co-executive producer Melissa Bernstein. Hello. Here with actor Bob Odenkirk, who plays Saul. Yay. Hey. Yay. And uh, I'm here with the writer and director of this amazing episode, Tom Schnauz. Hello. Woohoo! Hey. Tom Schnauz. Great job, Tom. Seriously. Well, thank you, Kelly. So let me ask you: Have you, have you ever directed before? I directed uh, a short film in college in 1988. That was my last directing experience. And Vince Schott was my DP. Yeah, he he kind of says I was a DP on that. Actually, yeah. it was 1987. I'm sorry. Was that when it was? Yeah. Hot off that, that credit, we were eager to book him. I know. <laughs> I was waiting for the right project. <laughs> so wait, you guys went to the same college? We did. Yeah. Then went you together? Yeah. And you you wrote it and you directed it. I wrote and directed and Vince it, shot and it, and then uh, was I that? was a DP. We shot it on uh, the Airy. Uh, 16. The Airy SR. SR, yeah, SR. The yeah. 16 mil. We 16 millimeter. We weren't. We were juniors, and we weren't supposed to have that equipment, but because we worked in the equipment room, we, we took the better cameras for ourselves. Yes. <laughs> that and is the reason to well work played. in the yeah. That is why we got those jobs. <laughs> I to... learned that from, like, reading about Spike Lee, who also went to NYU and worked in the equipment room. Yeah. And that My was the reason to the work in the equipment center room. Yeah. at USC, too. There you go. <laughs> is that yeah, true, Jordan? film school, yeah. Yeah. If I'm you go give... to film school, work in the equipment center. Yeah, I'm seriously. A plug to my friend Mickey Blythe, who uh, Mickey Sarama Blythe, who went to school with you guys and is now an editor on the new. Oh uh, yeah, she is, she is cutting. She cut the pilot for the new uh, show, uh, Chicago Fire. I think she, that comes on this fall. That was so um, neat seeing Mickey again. Yeah. At uh, at uh, this was a while back at yeah. the uh, one of the things we, uh, the the thing we did with the uh, the academy the yeah. the uh, exactly. television the sold academy. out patent the sold out Breaking Bad. Well, she looks great. Academy. She didn't look a day older. That was she's very sweet. I, I was I think nice Michael Slovis is directing one of those too. Oh really? Oh great! So. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, right I just on. I know she did the pilot, and she's a good friend of mine, and so I just thought I'd give a shameless plug out there. I think that's great. Who um, else from TV was in your uh, or movies was in your class? Brett Ratner. Ratner. Yes. Really? I think Jerry O'Connell was in her. Is that true? I remember really? him. I sort of have a vague memory of him checking equipment out. For so seriously, Jerry I O'Connell. Think so yeah. Really? Did I did not know ch- that. Chum around with Ratner. No, no. I have to say, uh, he was um, he was he was the guy we were all a little jealous of uh, uh, back then uh, because he did a uh, his his student film had uh, had, uh, had a, a steady cam. He had an actual, he had actual money for his. He had a steady cam. He had HMI lights. He had a he had a he had a, a celebrity, a known celebrity as wow. Mason Reese. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were lucky to like we, we had Who a bounce board. Who was Mason Reese? It was our equipment. Seriously, had Mason. Reese. Had Mason. Yeah. You know Mason, Mason Reese. Yeah, how old was Mason Reese? At the time? Uh, he seemed older at the time. He probably Mason Reese was a uh, a celebrity in the seventies and whatnot. Oh. He did did he do commercials? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he did some uh, commercial that was everybody. He had a I don't know what he does now or whatever. I hope he's okay. The only thing I remember about Brett Ratner's film was that. He had this time lapse shot in the back of a limo. Where at the end of the scene, 
Mason Reese apparently had like broken a leg or it, something because he was doing like a Clockwork Orange thing. In the it was back. like a sex scene with a bunch of a couple of hot yeah. ladies. And at the end of the scene, he obviously had done something that <laughs> cracked a bone. That was in the <laughs> rushes. That was not. Uh, not that was not film. in the actual yeah, cut. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see this movie. It was. You know what? I was. Uh, I we were. I, I'll speak for myself. I was kind of jealous because ah, he's a rich kid. Then I found out later he had really hustled and gone around and uh, and written letters to famous people like Spielberg and said, I'm a struggling young film student. Can you help me out, help me out with my budget? And like Spielberg sent him a thousand bucks. I, I was very impressed to hear that. I would have never in a million years thought of doing that myself. Right. And even if I thought of doing it, I wouldn't have had the, the courage to do it. So right. you gotta, you gotta give him credit for that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, who else? Uh, uh, Philip, Philip Seymour Hoffman, yeah. I think was in our, uh, yeah, Adam Sandler was there right around. He, he wasn't in the film yeah. class, I don't think, but I remember he... he These are all he, people we didn't know, by yeah, the way, because we, didn't know any we of were them. such <laughs> fucking losers, you know. But now, I, I will say, I want to, before we get off the subject, a lot of people ask, should you go to film school, should you not go to film school? I'm agnostic on that score. I think it makes us just as much sense to not go to film school as it does to go to film school. I'm not going to steer anybody one way or the other. But if you do go to film school, absolutely, positively... Get that uh, work study job in the equipment room because yeah. that is how you get a hold of the equipment. Huge help. Huge I would help. say, as far as film school goes, I came from a world where nobody had any involvement in the entertainment business at all. And it me was too. Just, it was just me huge too. help me too. for me to sort of get immersed in people, you know, being around people with the cameras. I guess you could do that without film school. I, but I was just on a movie in uh, Atlanta, and this PA drove me, and she's finishing her degree in Atlanta, in, in Athens, at the college, and she's like, I might, I'm trying to get into NYU, mm-hmm. and, but she then talked about how in debt she is, oh, yeah. and how in debt she would be yeah. if she went. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what do you, you don't need to go to film school. Especially yeah. now, I it's, said, the equipment's around. It you was can, a lot cheaper when You I can was do there. so much. <laughs> but you, you imagine finishing film school, well, you guys, nowadays you did you, it, and owe, owing a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. nowadays yeah. you I even, went to a state school for two years and then to, to the film yeah. school. Nowadays you even have a venue, for God's sakes. I mean, you, there is so much on the internet that you can put your work up there, and your work yeah, gets seen. Different the only thing is, Tom's right, the other the thing I told her is you have a bunch of friends around you right now who are in film school, you're all finishing at the same time, why don't you get three or four of them and all of you together move to L.A. or New York, Make either movies. one. Yeah. You yeah. can share a place. Yeah. Because the thing about interacting with people who are doing it, that's where you learn and you make connections and you, that's what film school can give you. Yeah. yeah. Which mm-hmm. is a bunch of people all yep. doing this. See, my route was my roommate went to film school. Oh, so good. I was around all of those right. cla- I classmates. I mean, you could just as yeah. easily go to yeah. NYU and, just hang out and hang out near the film <laughs> department and <laughs> yeah. read books uh, and have people ask absolutely. you what you're All joking aside, absolutely true, because if uh, you spend any time in the village, all I know is NYU, but I'm sure it's the same story if you're in the neighborhood around USC or UCLA. You will see... Probably not anymore. Everything's on the internet now. But back in the day, you'd see those photocopied pieces of paper right. saying, "I need a film crew. Right. I need a sound oh, yeah. b- boom yeah. guy. I need a yeah. I need a cable puller. I need a blah blah. I need to have those little tear offs with the phone number. Right. You could 
I guess now it's all internet, but, but you, can, you there, can work. Yeah. You can work. You can crew for free on mm-hmm. these. On right. these and on meet these a bunch of people. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 I mean, and Aaron Paul starred in one of the shorts I worked. Sorry, on. Right. there you go. What was that like? Cher- <laughs> NYU Cher- was good. It was a good school, but, but it was a candy yeah. Candy. They'll be fine with their billion dollar endowment. <laughs> they'll be they'll be fine. There was it, it is a good. It wasn't is a good school, yeah, but I, I but it's a lot of dough. Yeah, I did too. I did too. But it's a lot of dough. It's changed though. I mean, you guys graduated what year? I graduated '89. Yeah, I mean, it's it, that's 20 years ago, and so much has changed mm-hmm. since then yeah. that you know it's like I I have uh, I have younger cousins um, that are just about the age where they're graduating from like undergrad right now, and when they were getting ready to go to college, they had friends. They didn't want to go to film school, but they had friends who would ask me about it, and I said, you know what? If you want to make movies, make movies. You know, I mean, if you really feel like you need to go to film school, then, you know, go. If your parents will pay for it, you know, go. But definitely have something to, you know, fall back on, you know. But if you just think you need to go to film school just to make movies, you're sadly mistaken, especially now. The equipment is so cheap and, you know, the way to do it. And you can even, you you have a venue up on the Internet uh, everywhere. I mean, I was was at Dave Porter, our our composer Dave Porter's house, a couple of months ago. And he was actually uh, composing. Uh, for a feature uh, and you know it was it, 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 I don't remember the name of it I don't remember the guy's name but basically Dave told me that this guy had funded this feature mm-hmm. with pr- proceeds uh, profits that he had made from YouTube Wow. On his own. Oh and he God. was in his 20s. Why did he need to make a feature then? He did make more money on YouTube. More people are seeing it than <laughs> yeah, to see it in a but, movie theater. But on the other hand, you know, he, he wanted, I guess, you know, he wanted to make a movie. Yeah. Make a movie. No, that's cool. I you know, it. and I was in shock that he made that much money on YouTube. And the funny thing is, um, you know, I have this other uh, friend of mine that I was talking to who also does, he has a, an internet production company, and I was telling him that story, and he goes, oh, I know that guy, and yes, you know, you can make that kind of money with, it's mostly subscriptions, I think, subscriptions on YouTube. What am like I doing here? Exactly. <laughs> I want YouTube money. I said, millions? Are you yeah. kidding? Your work of art. So, but I mean, I, I still say I did not go to film school, and I'm not saying that you know you shouldn't go, but I I will say that if you want to make movies, if you want to be a writer, just do that. You know, nowadays you don't you don't have Poor to go film to film school. school. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a, well, it's just now more than ever. You got D, uh, you, you go buy a DSLR at uh, you know a local camera shop for two or three thousand bucks, and you can shoot 1080 uh, 24p footage. Uh, that can be shown on a big movie screen. Or uh, there's a uh, another one of my cousins is at the American University in Paris, and I guess she has a friend who's got a um, uh, some kind of uh, he's in some kind of production class, and some of his work was posted on my Facebook page last night because my cousin posted it, and he shot, shot it with a D90 with a Nikon D90, yeah. and I know those are like less than five hundred bucks. Yeah, the D90 <laughs> is pretty much the same engine as the uh, the. the video engine yeah is the, so i mean that, that new d800 is supposed to be great the and thing the, is is go out there if you if you're a writer right if you're yeah. if you're a you but know, you also have to be able it. to yeah. you should get critiqued by your peers and people you respect i mean it's just it's one thing to go out and do it but yeah you that's have to be able the to good take thing the criticism right yeah true and learn from what you're doing <laughs> yeah 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 that's the good thing about a film school and and but you can create that community yeah, around absolutely. you right. and you can find those communities right so the Anyways, jury my so point is nathan aaron my kids don't go to film school <laughs> i'm not paying for that i'm not paying for it you just heard 
So Why? the jury is neither in nor out on film school. It's, it's great, <laughs> but you don't have to go to it. This it's, jury, anyway. This jury. That's, anyway, which is, yeah, we whatever. should talk about... Uh, uh, this was a good podcast. Uh, what, what <laughs> yeah. we, what, I think we're out of what's time. Next? Yeah, I think we're out of time. All now. right. <laughs> so um, so uh, when we left our, our you know, last episode, um, uh, Mike was holding a gun on Walt, and Walt was saying, you know, and, and Jesse was saying, you know, tell us... Tell, tell him, tell him what, what you're going to do. Tell him the plan. And the last word that Walt says is everybody wins. Um, and Which is great, but I don't know how we're going to do eight more. <laughs> Walt has this great solution. I guess that's it. It's no over. No foresight with these so, but, uh, Big but, mistake. But Big I did love, mistake move there. I did love when I was here at midnight last night watching the episode that it opens on that great shot in the back of the car, on the back of Walt's head, and they're on the move. That is That was a phenomenal okay. opening. I, was I really loved it. Who composed that shot for you? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you hurt me? <laughs> I got to say, Tom did such a fucking great job directing this thing. That car I, I am so a, impressed uh, by what a great job nice. you did. I, I'm you composed really impressed. Excellent compositions throughout. And, yes, with that opening shot to, to begin with, I love I love where you put that camera. Talk about how you did that shot. That was, a, it was and tricky, right? we heard of right? that before... Prep actually officially started. Tom had an idea and wanted to talk to Trans. Yeah, because I knew getting the camera in there was going to be a deal. We were going to have to remove the back windshield. So we had a double car, and they couldn't find an exact match, so they ended up painting the inside of a, of a double car to look like. So when you sat in there, you were kind of sticking to the seats a little they bit. They painted the, the painted upholstery? The in, yes. yes. <laughs> Seriously? You touched it. It was all tacky. You're kidding. No, because they couldn't find a, a match. This was Mike's they car? Had, they had the exterior match, but the inside, they couldn't get a second exact match so they went wow. for the matching the exterior but then painting the interior well, you, you don't mean like that velour stuff you mean the vinyl or whatever they what do you no, paint that velour. stuff it was yeah it was the how do you paint that shit? Paint. yeah Spray they basically paint. just <laughs> jesus because i put my hand in there i was like holy crap i'm sticking to the seats what's going on back wow. here wow um, i had no idea so yeah they removed the back windshield they took out the trunk and uh um, they, they built, built a, a built a safety rig back yeah. there so we could sit back there and uh, have the camera. Sit in the trunk? Sit in the trunk, yeah. Me and Andy sat back there, and we drove around. Wow. Bumping That's along. Cool. Andy Vogler, a wonderful A-camera operator. Yeah. Yeah, and we just stuck the camera right behind Walt's beautiful head there. And, uh, and that was a motion picture camera. That wasn't a little yeah, video. Yeah, motion okay. picture camera. Cool. Wow. Damn. Well, and so then uh, they arrive at, you know, the meeting place, Tombstone, high noon, you know, I love the Western feel of mm-hmm. all of it, and mm-hmm. I love Dave Porter's music. That is Dave Porter's music right there, too. Mm-hmm. Right? I did that, that. Did you really? I did. did. you do that, too? I did every. Yeah, I did it all. <laughs> I made this. I made this. No, the wonderful Dave Porter, who just yeah. awesome, awesome work. Yes. Yeah. No, it was really great, and it just, I loved how, how beautiful it was, obviously, that it's such a wonderful location, but um, it, it really did kind of invoke the whole Wyatt Earp kind of thing. Yeah, it was actually <laughs> the same location as... Your previous episode, yeah. 506. Yeah. Um, Where they met Declan yeah. before. And I, had, I was yeah. planning to shoot an entirely different angle, but between when we scouted, four days later when we shot there, they had put up this giant green That's right. wall. That's <laughs> really. And we couldn't face the one direction. So why, like, why? Are they developing? Yeah. Is it, oh, man. So Just nothing but townhouses out there. Oh, Honest geez. to God, seriously. To go yeah, so they're already limited by the studio, the water tower. Like There's that all much re- growth out there, huh? Yeah. Still, uh, wow. really moving out there and buying new homes. They really are. It's like, it's. I keep saying, it's going to be like, it's like Valencia. It's like the way Valencia was What's 20 years ago. What's the industry that's driving Albuquerque? It must be us. It must be no, film. No, it's got to be, it, right? it, Film is an important part of the economy there, but there's... Um, 
You know, I don't know what's happening with Eclipse Aviation, but they make the tiny little business jet out there. At, oh, yeah. uh, hopefully, they're doing well. I think a lot of industry and I don't know what the big industry in Albuquerque is. But I it really seems to be a growing economy. Everything used to everything was filmed out there for the last several years. Yeah, but that's there's that's a good healthy addition to the economy, and uh, we should all be proud for what that. But that you can't base in a million person city on that. You mm-hmm. know, so eight hundred thousand person wow. city on that. So. So our, lo- I mean, but good thing we're ending then, because you know our locations are encroaching. They, <laughs> they are. You feel like in that beautiful, blue, beautifully shot, beautiful campus. I love those wide-angle, beautiful uh, John Ford or Sergio Leone-type Leone compositions. Tom got out there, but it, it'd be—you'd be amazed if I guess if you swung the camera just a few degrees more in one direction, oh, yeah, the you'd studio see. Studio was like right at the edge of frame. I mean, even yeah. a couple of shots. Uh, Diane Mercer and and company had to go in and paint out a couple of houses in the <laughs> in the hills there because we just couldn't avoid, yeah. you know. Wow. Every and, and when we shot five oh six though, we shot in the same direction just because of light. Right. So there's all different factors at play. Yeah. It's tricky too because Michael Slovis, not to speak for him, but he's not here. He typically he wants to be shooting more or less into the sun. So so, so, so that actors are so. backlit. Yeah, yeah, so the actors are backlit. It so looks I screwed that up because you, you notice that <laughs> poor, poor uh, Brian is squinting right into the sun. They're, everybody's, their side of the conversation, they're looking right into direct sun, <laughs> sunlight, which is why I had wanted to shoot the other axis, but I we couldn't you. do it. Works so, for me, though, because he's sort of got that Clint Eastwood squinty yeah, thing going. True. Yeah, it looks cool. <laughs> so, Tom, if you, I mean, you know, since you're saying you haven't directed in 20 years, in over 20 years, mm-hmm. right? And when you went to Vince and you said, listen... Um, you you remember all those things in college, you know that uh, you know that uh, I, I've threatened to tell people about. So let mm-hmm. me direct. It was yeah. basically it was pretty much back, like that. Blackmail. I had photos. Okay. <laughs> I had some sketches that I did. Yes, <laughs> but um, but um, he's I mean, a very good artist. You know, it's like uh, life. It, it's like I've I've always been so impressed with your writing. But I really, I mean, I knew that you would do a good job. I just didn't know that you would do an amazing job. That's so, very sweet. Thank you. I know. I, got, I mean, well, I mean, so much credit goes to the. This was the perfect condition for a first-time director because of the crew. Nina Jack, amazing help. My first AD, Melissa Bernstein was was on my shoulder, ah, fuck pounding all those me guys. every Dude, moment of the way. I know that. <laughs> you can't do this. You can't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we can't afford that. <laughs> our, our crew, though, at this point, is a very well-oiled machine. Oh my god. And like well-oiled and shit. Yeah, like the great. Well-oiled. I mean, Michael Slovis saved my ass many, many times during this shoot. So, dude, don't everybody's give your, in such don't give sick. your power away. <laughs> Sometimes I look at these scripts and I, because uh, I've directed two, and I wonder how you would ever get them shot in eight days. Is, is there? We all Melissa, wonder that. I mean, Melissa wonders that a what, lot. What do you do? How do you take the script and it's figure pop- out how to put your time and and how do you make compromises or choices? Organize, that, you know, you, we, that's what Nina helped me with. It I doesn't had, feel like you make compromises. I did storyboards, like, and we kind of put them in order of what was most important to me. And if we, I don't think we ever got everything that I always wanted. I mean, it was probably. Do you mean you never? You didn't get all the coverage. All the coverage, yeah, all the coverage. But I, all the-, all the coverage. Yeah, it was the. It's been. I, I, I'm kind of a chicken. I want to. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen in the editing room, so I just want my ass covered as much as possible. But I, I got you know first got what I felt like we absolutely needed to have, the important shots, and then kind of worked from there. 
Well, and I, I think the scripts are like puzzles, you know, mm-hmm. that Michelle and Stu and I take a look at, you know, as soon as they're ready, Vince shares them with us, which is wonderful. And then we work with the writer or the director and prioritize and see, okay, wh- what, where do we hit the line where it's beyond eight days? And that happens all the time. And sometimes the writers will come up with a compromise where maybe a scene doesn't take place out on location, but it takes place on our stage. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe a scene isn't absolutely necessary when you look at it, you know, three or four times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of times I think we do come up with creative solutions that don't force the writers to change their scripts because they're beautiful and every scene is there for a reason. So we, we try to avoid putting them in that position at all times. If there's something we need to block, shoot. And Nina Jack and Ben Scissors, who are ADs, yeah. also are like, okay, how, how could we work this out? And tell, occasionally tell them what block units. shoot means. Yeah. Uh, block shooting when, you're, when you uh, shoot uh, you could shoot two episodes in one day. You shoot out of order. Even two scenes, if you're facing you shoot all one direction, you're facing one direction. You get everything in that direction first. You know, shoot part and of one scene, then have them change or their two, costumes. Or possibly two different episodes. Too, it's in yeah, an order of efficiency as yeah. opposed like, of chronological. I mean, order. for instance, if let's say Bob, they only had you for two days yeah. and they needed to shoot you for three episodes, that. Doesn't usually happen on our show. We've never gone three episodes. Yeah, we can't no. do that but, because. But maybe yeah. they they needed to, so they would basically shoot your scenes in. I'm just doing the example for the people right. out there. Like it's I, really not for you. There was a little but bit yeah, of stuff like that. There was a little bit of block shooting in my episode because um, by the time we got to the bank, we were running out of daylight, so we shot everything. We had two separate scenes in the bank. We shot everything facing the windows first before mm-hmm. we turned around. And did the rest. Right. Two different scenes on two different story days with two different outfits. So right. The, so there was a costume change. Yeah. And, and you. So the woman, the bank manager, is in her chair in one costume. You shoot her in the one scene, and then she goes off. She changes her clothes, mm-hmm. and the camera stays where it is. Right. And then you that kind of thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. And then we swing around, and they then they light it as if because we don't see the windows anymore. Then they can light it to make it look. Right. I mean, and the way Nina worked that day with the, with all the work in the car, I mean, that was a, it, you know, oh, yeah, it, was great. it was a ballet of, mm-hmm. you know, this car, then, you know, where you have two cars rigged at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so that you, you're never mm-hmm. wasting a minute because it takes a long time. Yeah, that was more at the, at the river for the, uh, the, uh, that too? The, the little moment where poor Mike goes away to the farm. Wait, I thought we were going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. We were going to talk about you that. Want, okay. We thought it'd be funny to go through the entire podcast without talking about that. <laughs> no, I, I what, what, I, that what I'm uh, wanting to ask you, and what I think also is is really, I think, an asset probably to you is the fact that you are the writer, so you know your material so incredibly well. You have such an intimate you know, knowledge of you. I'm sure, I don't know, I've never asked you this, but I'm sure you see this in your head as you're writing so you know yeah as basically i was what you want this is the first time as i was writing i was actually drawing pictures wow as i was writing just to sort of help me that's cool help me along that's helpful well did i mean so since you haven't directed in you know 20 plus years uh were you nervous um, surprisingly, uh, I'm more nervous right now. Before this is th- a few days before it airs, because I'm it more didn't nervous seem now. Like you were nervous. I Seriously, was, really? Yeah, uh-huh. I was okay on the set because I felt like I had so much support. Huh? And now I just feel alone and cold. But you think everybody's going to see it and just go, "Oh my God, the <laughs> lamest episode I mean, ever!" Uh, wonderful. You know, I never know. I, you know, I don't. You know, amazing. I'm never confident in, in anything. I well, do. you. But but leading up, no, this is very so. interesting to me. Leading up. The most nervous, the first episode, the first professional thing I ever directed. Well, actually, I did a director's test for Disney 
1993 that I failed miserably. That's a whole other story. <laughs> you have told that story. Oh, I have. Okay, but I but I directed an episode of the X Files uh, in like 98 or 99. That was the first thing I ever directed. And wait, the first uh, the X Files thing was the first thing. The thing with the with the guy who was invisible was the first thing you directed. Yeah. Well, Shit. and like, and I didn't mean to make it all bad. My, my, the point I will try to make quickly. Talented. Well, no, I mean it was very much like Tom just said. I had, I mean, I'm biased as hell. Breaking Bad crew is the best crew that ever existed. The X Files crew was a goddamn good crew, though. They were fantastic, and I had their wonderful help, and uh, they made it as easy as it could possibly have been. Uh, so I had a lot of help on that, but uh, and we had more time on those episodes too. We shot those in eleven days versus the eight we shoot this show in. But uh, and then if you slopped over a little bit, you could always, not always, but it, you could go in and pick up a scene or two. Well, and, you guys had second D, or third D unit. Units we had too, C right? units even. Oh, we had we had all the money on planet Earth on that show. <laughs> it was it was it'll never be like that again. God, it was a beautiful thing. But what was my point? My point was the point I was trying to make was I was so nervous. In the days leading up to, I remember going, showing up. We shot our first day on the Fox lot, and I showed up at five in the morning. And I sat in my office and did my homework and drew little pictures. And I knew I was like willing the clock to stop ticking because <laughs> I had more time. Uh-huh. And I knew across the lot, you know, I was going to have to walk over there in twenty minutes. And across the lot, the guys were already pulling the trucks up and all that. I was so just. Just well, you shot that scared. at the box lot. We shot in Vancouver, little, right? season six through nine. Season, season, and that was yeah. from season we, seven, we, right? This, seven by or the eight. time I directed, we had moved the production to Los Angeles. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we started first five years was in Vancouver, last four years was in LA. Huh. But my point being, I was so nervous, and then about an hour and a half into that first day, something kind of clicked, and then I, suddenly I was having a good time. But I am surprised. I was so nervous leading up to it, I almost bailed on it, which I'm so glad <laughs> I did. Because I was afraid of losing this uh, company millions yeah, of dollars. Uh, I was picturing I the worst case. Well, you know what? <laughs> by the way, <laughs> by the way, you shouldn't. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent, but my point is it surprises me to hear you weren't nervous leading up. And no. I had the great advantage of having shadowed Michelle McLaren for three episodes of mine that she directed and Terry McDonough and – um, oh yeah, that's right. You guys are there for yeah. Episodes. So I we are there during the shoot, and we you know we have input, and we you know directors talk to us, and we mm-hmm. sort of f- almost feel like you're directing a little bit, but not really because yeah. you get to sit back and, and eat from craft service while you know Michelle's doing all the work. Yeah. So you know what I, I I know that we said we weren't going to talk about this, but obviously we were joking. <laughs> um, and you know I just want to jump back for a minute because I have like, talk about Breaking Bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you guys first got to the writer's room way back last November. Oh, my God. Last November um, was obviously, I'm assuming that obviously this was one of the things. You're like, we're going to kill, we're going to kill, you know, uh, uh, Mike in the first date. When when did we, I ask and it all runs together in my head. When did we talk about that? It was right around while we were breaking, I seem to remember while we were breaking three. Episode three, okay. Uh, Somewhere in there, we started talking about the idea of Mike dying so it was from ne- Walt's hand. Oh, so it wasn't in it wasn't in your plan from the very beginning. It just you knew you were going to kill him. You just didn't know when. Or I might be wrong. About it. I don't know. Yeah, what it sounds right. Of, get, of killing him. <clears throat> and it, yeah. yeah, we sort of amongst the writers, it was something we had talked about, and I think Vince might have been the last one to sort of say, "You sure?" Because I think you were hesitant about giving up 
the great Jonathan Banks and losing that yeah. character. I think we all were. We were all hesitant. All the writers were hesitant to, to, to have Jonathan not be a part of the show anymore. Yeah. Just like we were hesitant last season with uh, Giancarlo Esposito. I mean, these are two wonderful, wonderful men, excellent human beings, and wonderful, on a more selfish uh, level, wonderful assets to the show. You don't want to cut off your nose to spite your face and get rid of people who are, are doing a great credit and benefit to your series but it just felt right you know it just felt like uh and jonathan's character mike is such a force to be reckoned with that that uh, walt's uh mental makeup the way it is 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 kind of a uh you know it, he's, he's kind of a guy who doesn't want people around him who intimidate him or who uh, make him feel less than and uh just it seemed like this is a guy who probably would uh you know what would come to uh come to have a problem with i mean that relationship had come to a head right. and it's there was going to have to be some sort of resolution but i do think the audience is really uh you know with walt becoming less and less sympathetic and and more and more hard to relate to i think you know the audience has definitely moved towards Jesse and I mean anecdotally I'd say this to Jesse and to Mike mm -hmm. so it's a it's a big choice I mean it's a big choice I mean the thing to also that you know Mike says at the end you know we had a good thing going we had a good I love thing, that speech you know, at the end yeah it's, it was you know and it, it was true you know but you know as Walt has said last week you know I'm in the empire business I'm yeah. thinking he's thinking much much bigger much more global he's like you know saying Jesse this you know, why would you, you know, sell your methylamine for pennies on the dollar? Why would you do that? You know, we can make 10 times, 20 times, you know, what this is worth. During, and during that, a tear. Yeah. During that confrontation, that speech that Mike has, Brian has such a great reaction on, on his face when he says, we had Fring. Just hearing that name and being compared to him again, I just feel like Walt just wants to – why doesn't everybody – think i'm better than yeah <laughs> than he is why does everybody keep mentioning this asshole yeah. who 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 i saved us all from yeah that's sort of what it seems to me he's thinking yeah but that, it, that is such a great scene. the interesting thing too and i never thought about it until now was walt was really the only one that was you know i mean it, you know gus had gus was good to mike and he was good to jesse toward the end there walt was the only one that was you know uh, not happy in the situation. Well, you know, I it's mean, complicated. it's complicated. Yeah, it's, it's, it's damn complicated in it because Gus Fring was very businesslike and he was very reasonable until he wasn't. But I mean, he, the truth is, uh, it's complicated because it wasn't a lot of what, what a lot of the rap that uh, Mike puts on Walt is kind of earned. You know, you were, you're, it's your ego and your pride. You know, but on the other hand, what Mike is selectively forgetting in that moment, there is truth to what to what he's accusing Walt of. But on the other hand, they really uh, Walt and Gus Fring came to loggerheads over Jesse Pinkman, mm -hmm. who Mike now has a great fondness for. But right. back then, Mike was ready to say, he was "Pitching you know, to kill him." He was he pitching, was, "Let's kill this kid." Yeah, for Gus, Jesse was only a you know a pawn. He was mm -hmm. a, you know he was used to manipulate. Jesse, until I think that moment in 401 when Victor's neck is sliced, and there's a little exchange, there's a glance, there's an exchange between them, and you almost get, you, Gus almost has second thoughts 
during that moment, I think, yeah. is when he says, there's something else here. Yeah, exactly. Someone, yeah. And, it, you know, it didn't occur to me until just now, but, you know, and I hate to keep jumping around, but there is that um, that speech of Walt's uh, where Jesse has come to get his money, and Walt says, you know, what do you, why? Why do you want it? What are you going to do with it? You know, what do you have in your life? And it's almost like you can tell that he's saying, you know, you're my son and I've taught you all these things and you should be smarter about this. You should be wanting to be with me. But I think Mike also feels like, you know, he feels like fatherly toward Jesse. So they're, it's almost like the two of them are sort of fighting over Jesse the, the has two dads. Of, yeah. <laughs> the That's going to be the name of, of the children's book. They're, they're fighting over the well-being of their son because even when Jesse comes to Mike right after uh, you know, they're meeting out there in the desert and he says, so I'll see you around. And Mike's like, I, I don't think so. But he says like, take care, take care of it. Yeah. Take care of yourself, kid. You know, I think they're both, it's almost like, no, he's my son. No, he's my son. No, he's my son. I've done this for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I didn't really think about that till now. I think Mike's probably the better dad. If, if you're, <laughs> if you're using that analogy, cause he's not demanding that he stay in the, uh, in the meth business. But I mean, you can tell that Walt is, is <laughs> even a little the family business. You got to take over the family business for me, son. <laughs> but I mean, even at it's that so point, Walt, Walt doesn't like the fact that, you know, that Jesse, you know, cares about, you know, I mean, that, that Jesse cares about what happens to Mike. Oh, yeah. He doesn't oh, yeah. like it. There's you know, a... one tack that Walt's never taken is to plead for the junkies. <laughs> uh, to <laughs> Think about all those people who need our <laughs> They need it. They're not okay right now. <laughs> I like that. You never use that. I know we have. You know these people, Jesse. Wendy, like Wendy. There's so little in their lives, Jesse. We have to, we have to say what a... you want about meth, but it makes a lot of people happy. <laughs> <laughs> if only for a short time. What more can there be in life? Brief moments of joy. Think of the junkies. <laughs> anyway, so that's true. So um, <laughs> never <laughs> use that. But you know. As He's we, got it in the we got eight pocket. more. We got to yeah. get that in there. <laughs> as we as we move on the episode, um, the the uh, it was funny because when I I had read it a long time ago, and then when I saw it, I'm like, why is the car wash closed? Holy shit, what's wrong with the car wash? And then I realized it's just closed for the day, right? So they're hiding the stash there. It's not like there's nothing wrong, right? Yeah, no, Walt no. needed somewhere to hide the methylene okay. from 506, so he the only. Yeah place big enough to hold it was the, was car, the wash. car wash okay. they stuck it there and shut it down yeah. and then Skylar of course is like what is this you know is somebody going to come and kill us is somebody going to come and arrest us yeah. you know and yeah and, and I like how cold he is to Skylar there and Jesse sees this as like is this what my if I stick around, is this what I'm? <laughs> I'm just going to be like I'm. We're, she, I think he identifies with Skylar. I think so too. I love how that scene is shot too. I love yeah. the lighting. Oh, it's great. Yeah, it's Absolutely great. beautiful. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely. Beautiful lighting. I love. You know, one of the things that I love too is you know all your composition was so exceptional, um, and but I like I like that you are looking for original ways to give us very similar information. That's what I really loved about this episode. I mean, you shoot through windows and you're shooting. You know, we don't always have to be on a single on somebody's face. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I thought it okay. was incredible. I was very, very, I mean, I love the composition of this episode. I love mm -hmm. little moments like uh, Mike on the bench when he gets the warning from Walt. They're coming for you. 
and you you I love little moments like this. It reminded me of uh, I say this uh, with uh, affection, and it, and uh, I say this as a compliment. It reminded me of the moment in Jaws. Yeah. I'm not there's afraid a, to steal from other things. That's a, that was a great that was a great <laughs> homage. There's a there's a well, what I'm talking about. There's a shot of he's on the he's on the bench, and he hears Walt say, "Mike, they're coming for you." It's some lawyer. And then you cut to an empty frame of sky, and up into that, you let the actor, you let Mike pop his head up into the shot. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's reminiscent of the moment when, when the shark uh, comes out of the water while he's feeding the chum into the water. Yeah, Roy Scheider is chumming the water. Hey, come down here and chum some of this shit. And then the shark <laughs> comes up, and then you cut, Spielberg cuts to a piece of sky, and uh, Roy Scheider's head backs into it, just goes boink and pops into it. Wow. It's a great, a great wow. cut, great wow. shot, great composition. Good stuff, man. That's I thought you were gonna fuck it up, but you did good. <laughs> you did good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Who directed the final episode? Uh, Michelle McLaren. Yeah. yeah. Vince, you didn't direct this year. I did not. I am hoping. I am hoping to do the, the final two uh, of the final Next eight. Year. I'm hoping yeah. to block shoot them like that block shot four twelve and four thirteen. Uh, but you know what you're in for now, right? You're not going to I know be what in I'm in for. Like, I'm going like, to do it. I still want to do it. You're not oh. going to be in here whining on the couch and curling up into a fetal position. Going, how do they do that? You know, you you know what you're in for, right? Well, you didn't have to hear all this that. This is the hard. I was uh, uh, Melissa <laughs> the did. Hardest thing I've I was ever, in Albuquerque. I don't see how they do it. This is the worst. This day is ever. the hardest anyone has ever worked. <laughs> I I don't. Uh, <laughs> it was me. I, know, I do that a lot. And you know, uh, let's talk about bad words. You you got two in this episode. Oh yeah, yeah. goddamn. You got the fu. On this oh one. wait a second, I saw a few in last week's. Oh, that's true. Written. That, that, was, written. Written. that written. was written. I love Same. that. Let me ask you something. In the note yeah. Mike wrote to the police, what were the options if you were going to make it not say fuck you? What were the options? <gasps> Screw off. What they suggested I don't was, like you guys. was go to H E double hockey sticks. All oh, of that no. spelled out. Could you draw it? No. Just a <laughs> that is not true. Let me ask you, getting back to the episode, let me ask you, um, this is like the same branch of the bank that like Ken wins and Walt took his, is this like the same like uh, bank? No. It's, it's a different bank. First time we're ever seeing this No, bank. not the different location, but is it the same name? I can't like, remember if we used, well, Cranic, Cranic, Marine, Cranic bank. Marine Bank is a little shout out to the X-Files. Uh, my girlfriend is from a little uh a little neighborhood in Portsmouth, Virginia called Craddock, spelled with one D. And so years ago in the X-Files, I think the bank that got robbed, we had a great episode that Kim Manners directed called Monday, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. where the bank, they kept, they were stuck in a in a loop in time, and the, this bank robbery kept going off, and the bank kept blowing up over and over again all through the episode <laughs> until Mulder figured that's, a way to stop it. That was a great episode. It I, was, think, that was I think that's fun. right. I actually worked on the X-Files video game, and I, I had to watch every episode. I kept oh, yeah. pulling for the, the world of the video game. There's all the, and I remember putting Craddock Marine Bank yeah. into the video game. And I put, I, I, so I named, yeah, I named it Craddock Marine Bank. Craddock, because a uh, shout-out to Holly. And Marine, because Portsmouth is very much a, a, a Navy-based town. Did you town. write that episode? I co-wrote it with uh, John Scheiben and, and Frank Spotnitz. Oh, that was yeah. good. That was a good one. We wrote that damn thing in three days. Damn. I don't know how it came out as good as it did no, having the, the rush good. job we put on it. And you know who was in it was wonderful was uh, was uh, Carrie Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Who uh, was Carol, Carol Burnett's daughter. daughter, and she's since passed away. God bless her. She was so sweet, and she's a wonderful actress. She was great in that episode. And a real shame. She, she played passed. the girlfriend that you know kept saying... Yeah. She's the only one who knew what was yeah. going on. No she one else. What episode is that? It's, it's called Monday. Monday, and and she is in hell because 
her boyfriend keeps robbing this bank over and over again and he every morning she w it's a groundhog day a it's day. a groundhog day story and uh, she wakes up every morning and he says all right today's the day and she tries to talk him out of it and she thinks she's in hell and maybe she is and Mulder she somehow convinces Mulder that you keep living this over and over again it was uh it was a it was a yeah we we're proud of that anyway i didn't fun. mean to get off on a tangent but uh but isn't that the episode where we learned that Mulder has a waterbed cuz it started <laughs> leaking wasn't that the episode? I think it is, yeah. Yeah, I think can't, you're right. Can't, it all it? runs together. Yeah, because it started leaking. He yeah, wakes yeah, up yeah. And it's all, yeah. It's a repeating, yeah. Well, he didn't even have a while, bedroom. He didn't for have first, a bed, yeah. For the first five years, he didn't have a he bed. He didn't have a bedroom. Yeah, he slept on the couch. <laughs> it's got to be bad for your back. Anyway. I think. <laughs> and, and I think Walt's bank is like a Mesa Credit Union or something. Oh, okay. Oh, the pilot. Mesa Credit Union. You're right. That's a good point. Okay. Which was a library in the pilot. It wasn't even a bank. This was a bank closed down. Empty bank, yeah. You know, yay, American economy. You had, you had, uh, you had like six or seven empty closed down banks to, to choose, choose from. from. Yeah. And yet they're they're building Hooray. new houses. Hooray. Wait, Thank so you, banking good. industry. You got these banks that are closed down, but yet they're building uh, new houses. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it makes no sense. All right. So um but but regardless, that bank um, And then video and then uh, Bill Pulowski, our wonderful visual effects guy, he and Diane Mercer, they 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 digitally put Craddock Marine Bank on the side of that yeah, building. It doesn't exist. Yeah, it's it digitally animated. Yeah. On that bank. So, but the the actual room with all the safety deposit boxes that was on is stage. on the state. Yeah. So you rented all of Rent, those. They rented a bunch of uh, yeah, a, bu a bunch of safety deposit boxes and stacked them up and built a room to fit them. Uh, w. Gilpin and his crew and uh, Mark, Mark Freeborn Fair. designed it. Uh, yeah, just fantastic, and it really you know cut well from going to the real bank to the stage. Could beautiful vault. And I happen to know this, and uh, Melissa could back me up. They they built the room, but the room in large part was built from uh, the evidence room uh, that gets the mag one. gets magnetized in five hundred one. Mm -hmm. That was the evidence room, kind of sort of repurposed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're, and we're always we're repurposing flats and whatever materials we have just to save a dollar. Right. So, so we, we did all those shots the from the door, um, seeing the whole room, and then when we wanted to shoot from the side, we had a forklift come in and lift the wall out because it was so damn so heavy. So damn heavy. So I made sure I got everything with that wall in it before we moved it because it was a pain in the ass to, to reset. Each of those units weighed three or 4,000 pounds, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Makes sense because you don't want to be able to drill into them that easily. Wow. And that what when the actress came in to rehearse, there's a lot of choreography involved with opening those. Uh, yeah, the, the it was uh, our so did great Did you go box. in there or did you have it planned already or did you go in there and go, I want that one, that one, that one, that one. I kind of, they, one. no, that one. They had certain, not all of them would open, so they only had select ones that would open. I picked, I just picked out the ones that I wanted her okay. to, to do. And then the poor actress, Kathleen Brady, just great, fun to work with. She was funny. She, uh, yeah, she had to sort of memorize and she had this whole pattern. It was like, okay, I'm going to do an M here and an L over here. And I, that's how she remembered where each box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it was um, it was huh. actually it was so impressive to because she's doing she's she's why she's talking yeah she's yeah. it was a lot to do it was kind of she was thrown right into it but she did a great job i like the uh, lawyer too yeah, they're chris, both good together chris yeah. freihofer and and who baked your cookies bacon was that your idea vince no no no, no, my, no, no maya, my wife maya had made uh <laughs> she made these cookies she made them for vince actually because she knows that he likes bacon she I was like, like look what bacon. i made oh, i was like great yeah they're for vince it's like 
go to hell. <laughs> um, so she had made bacon banana cookies, and then I had this opportunity to put them in the script. So yeah, the bacon banana cookies were uh, for Maya, and then uh, Jenny had made cake pops yeah. for the for the office. So I, Jenny Hutchison, yeah. I threw the cake pops in for her. And our so, props department made them. So Trina yeah. went home. Trina um, Cop, one of our our props team, went home, and Mark Hansen sent her home and was like, "Figure out how to make these things mm-hmm. and really? like come back." Yeah, the, the, I mean, the, I think the the bacon cookies were not yeah, as much of a challenge, yeah. but the cake pops. I mean, you know, yeah, they, they were little faces on them and stuff. Yeah, because I mean, and they looked at buying them, but they were wildly expensive to buy and what? to have multiples of them. That they 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 decided to like learn how to make I, them themselves. Yeah. I like the home made look of them anyway yeah yeah yeah. me too they were great but the the good news with them you didn't have to have multiples in the sense that they were a a visual prop but none of them needed to be eaten they never needed to be eaten yeah but if if like somebody knocked them off the desk you have to have uh you have to have another set you gotta have a bunch for me to pick from so i got to pick pick the faces i love uh i love talking about props and it segues me to the fact that uh I've talked about uh, a, a particular prop we used in episode 502 this year, Whistle Pig. Yeah. And I got to say, the wonderful uh, head of the Whistle Pig. Wait, dis- did did this come from because we did this podcast and you talked about Whistle Pig? I think this is this really? is why I was dead set against this podcast until now. Can we talk what's, about? What's can we talk some more here? about Tag I, Heuer and <laughs> Nikon? And you know, Canon 5D, or you know, can whistle, we talk more about that? Yeah, no, we should. We should have a list of Whistle Pig is this very excellent 100% uh, rye whiskey uh, made in Vermont, and uh, the fellow who owns the company uh, uh, sent me a case of uh, six bottles of it, and it is. Wow. I mean, I already really? knew it was delicious. And it's really based on when we talked about it in the podcast. I I don't, I don't know about it's the podcast stuff, or huh? the episode. Oh God, it's great stuff. Oh, it's so. I mean, I I I've loved it for a long time. But having six again. more bottles of it will get me through the weekend, and yeah. that is important. So hey, by, by the way, how come you got two bad words? To, to explain it, we Uh-oh, got we got goddamn we, we Walt I don't know. I don't even know how it happened. That. I don't know. I I, I what? just What'd you it just do? fell into my lap that, that yeah, way. Every, I didn't well, fight every, for having the, the bad The way words. the standards and practices yeah, agreement that, yeah. has worked, we have to uh, you know keep the allotment of curse words at a level that's acceptable for TV fourteen. And there's all kinds of legal carrier agreements in place that you know we that we have to uh, be consistent with. So um, what we've agreed to is to have one f bomb a year that we drop. Dip. Yeah. So we don't hear you know as an audience you don't hear so it. When Mike, Mike says shut the fuck up and let me die. We don't hear it on AMC, but you'll hear it on the DVD. Yeah. Right. By the way, yeah. Know that when you're buying the uh, Blu-ray or the DVD or whatnot, you'll you'll hear it unexpurgated. I think um, you might be able to hear it on iTunes. Do you? I think you can hear it. Yes. On iTunes, Amazon, also on Netflix, probably. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. I, I love the well. Oh. I'd like you to talk a little bit about the well. Yeah, we shot uh, the uh, the well on location. It was a they dug a hole that couldn't be deeper than five feet for some safety. <laughs> regulations and uh then on stage or just outside the stage we built a they had a 12 foot replica of the well so we could have a camera at the bottom looking up as mike dumped all this 
stuff onto us. But, like, the camera must have been, like, I'm assuming it was on an angle on the wall because all your stuff fell. No, we had a, the camera was directly below. We had a piece of plexiglass angled over the top of it so stuff would hit it and bounce away. Oh, okay, yeah, because I remember it bounced away. But the well looking up from the bottom of the well is a a 12-foot-long piece of plastic culvert pipe. Yeah. Right. Was there anything yeah. Yeah, lining they, it? Did you have anything lining they, it? I'm not actually sure what they used to make it look like brick. Okay. But they, they mocked it up so that it yeah. was just it was just amazing. With so it. It I thought it was really hole, cool. But then five foot hole pipe. on location and then on back on stage uh, pipe. Yeah. And the bottom of the hole is just sort of digitally mm-hmm. no it was just no, you know, it did, off yeah, the black right? yeah. had a, and, yeah. for the location well yeah we yeah. just made it look black we thought yeah, we were going to do this thing we thought we were going to do this yeah. thing where we could see like way down in the well and then we just saw it you know it's just black yeah, down it's there black, <laughs> I thought black it was effective it's but very I was really effective. surprised at how many how many guns Mike had just like uh, uh, Tom and I as writers have a lot of pencils Mike for his job has a lot of guns pencils at the end of this episode at the end of 7 um, Walt's kind of like got it all together, right? Am I wrong? Or it's like everything's going to be okay now? Who invited I think everything's going to be fine. <laughs> <Everybody's> gonna, <laughs> wait, uh, I, what's what's going on? Tom. Well, no, wait. He gets rid of Mike. He does. He doesn't, he's, he's, but, in, he's in a state of shock at the end of this. Oh, okay. I, I, I just haven't seen it. And one thing I will just say about the day that Jonathan Banks' character was shot. Uh, we got to set, and Steve Latecki, who's our gaffer, mm-hmm had arranged for black arm bat ar- black armbands oh, for everybody, so everybody on the crew yeah. oh, um, could wear so them great. yes to you know to speak to Can all of our it? sadness in losing yeah. um, Jonathan yeah. as a cast member and um, he's like where's Vince Gillen I'm gonna punch him in the heart punch me in the heart <laughs> it was no, it I was, took the blow for him <laughs> it was such a lovely gesture though was and it? It was nice. Steve Latecki yeah. that was his yeah. idea mm-hmm. he brought those yeah and he, yeah, he brought him. it up to costume costume made them yeah brought them to set it ah. was this wonderful oh, was collaboration sweet. by the crew Did you guys wow. have a candlelight vigil or anything too or um on the well actually on his his last day of last work. day of his last day of shooting was uh in the in the car under the underpass was his final day on the set of breaking bad unless we do a flashback um, spoiler Maybe, maybe, maybe. Not. Yeah, yeah. How about a ghost? <laughs> yeah, robot Mike. About that, that's happened. I'm gonna punch you in the heart. Boo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I like that. Very good. Uh, anyway, they uh, they brought everybody signed. Uh, they had this giant photo blown up uh, oh, of uh, Mike, Walt, and Br- and uh, Jesse together, and everyone signed it that's and nice. presented him presented it to uh, Jonathan. He uh, he cried uh, only he's. Well, he cried once uh, from when we were starting in day one until day eight. And that was the one time he cried continuously for eight days. But other than that, he didn't cry. No, he was, he was actually, he's a, he's a real softie. If you see the behind-the-scenes interviews, uh, if you go online and check out the AMC website, I mean, he's, he's emotional, and he, he's, he loves the crew. He loves this role, and uh, it was a real honor to uh, direct him in this episode. And he's such he, a sweet guy. Uh, even he's our first day of shooting, he just had to do a. He was doing a read through with, uh, with Aaron about the scene where he says, "Take care of yourself, kid." And he was, he had a, he had a, he had to get it together. Get reclaimed. Yeah, it was as your, as your people say. It was really amazing to watch. It was it was a very sweet scene too. It was very. I got emotional a little bit in it because it was, it was very sweet. You could tell that he's like he wants to impart good advice to you know his grandson or you know but 
he obviously is like, you, no, you can't see me anymore. You know what? I'm sorry. Senior citizen. You could have said what? father. I could have. <laughs> great, great grandson. His father, the seventh great grandson. I gotta get going. Thanks, hey. guys. I, it's oh. been fun to hear all this stuff. Thank you, buddy. I, I so, want to so listen to the podcast. So good to see you. So great. Good to see you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Next time. See you soon. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Thanks Thanks for the book. See you, Kelly. Oh, yeah. Enjoy. We'll see you in a few weeks, Bob. So, um, getting back to the episode again, um, (laughs) this amazing episode, amazing. Uh, (laughs) Um, uh, Can you tell us a little bit about um, the movie that you chose when they raided Mike's house? I couldn't actually tell you why I picked The Big Heat, but I just... There's this moment with the flashbulb that I just <laughs> just thought it would be a nice cutting point, going from uh, the investigators entering and then all of a sudden hearing the seeing the flash and the the murder scene there, and there's a little foreshadowing when the, you hear the uh, one of the actress off screen saying something about I found him dead and it's, it's it happens while you're we're looking at at Mike so kind of like that moment. That was a good touch. I like that. And I, Mike has been waiting for, I mean, he knows. Mm-hmm. He's known Yeah, we cut it. out. There's actually a lot. I don't know if it'll make it onto the DVD extra, but there was I a, bet it will. It'll be an a extra. There's a whole, yeah. uh, there's more after they walk in and show uh, Mike the uh, the search warrant where uh, they find a, a hidey hole that, that Mike has and they open it up and it's completely empty and, and it, just, it was just more of, of Hank hitting dead ends. But uh, because the original cut was 12 <laughs> minutes over, Twelve. Twelve. That's yeah. pretty good, though, for us. Yeah. yeah it's a no, little that, on the long side. We've, we've, had long. So we, we've, we've had longer. We've had longer. We had a longer. cut. We cut two pretty big chunks of uh, of scenes, which hopefully everyone will get to see someday. It was that that searching, which didn't really matter as much to the story. But then at the well location, we did this whole thing where Jonathan's emptying his bag of guns and out rolls a grenade, and he's deciding what to do with it. And there's this very He's very funny in the scene where he, he's deciding, what do I do with this grenade? And he ends up looking at it. He pulls the pin and he drops it down the well. He's waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for it to blow up, and it never does. And he says, I'm going to f- fucking kill that guy. <laughs> the, the, the person who supplied him the grenade gave him a bum grenade. So. That'll, be on the, uh, that'll be on the DVD. It'll be a deleted extra. We also had to cut the bit at the end where he wakes up after he's shot and right. everything's okay, unfortunately. <laughs> it, just, it was for time. It was... Didn't change anything, really. So, in the next scene, um, I think it's the next scene, um, Jesse comes by, I guess, the um, Vominos, mm-hmm. um, where, uh, you know, Walt is cleaning the stuff. Oh, before we say that, though, I just because I said the Vominos thing, I absolutely loved when he was at the car wash and Skyler's looking at the thing and he goes, Vominos. <laughs> yeah, Anna, Anna and, and Aaron are very funny. Was that a ad-lib line? Or no, no. It? That's oh, okay. it was good. It was funny. It was brilliantly, brilliantly written. It was brilliantly You directed. did a great job. We've been talking all about the directing. You did a great job writing this oh, one, too. Yeah, it was really Absolutely. funny. Um, but anyway, so Jesse comes by um, the uh, Vominos where Walt is cleaning, you know, all the stuff. And, you know, it, it seems like Walt is like... He just won't let Jesse go. He's going to do everything he can. He's really the devil convince. in this scene. Yeah, he really is. He's, He's just, just so mean. You know what? He's being trying to be so manipulative, but Jesse has gotten smarter. I don't know what's wrong with me, because I don't always side with Walt. I really, truly don't. Uh, he's lost my sympathy in great measure, but I kind of feel bad for him. No, saying ain't so. No, I mean, I feel bad for him too, but he's being so manipulative. Yeah. He's trying to, he's trying to 
But he's so... Play, he, pull these dirty tricks by insulting Jesse and saying, what, have you got nothing in your life? Yeah, you've got no... No, no, he's, he's being a jerk. He's, yeah. being, he's being a bad guy. I'm not, I'm, not question, I'm not debating that. It's just, I don't know what it is. He just seems so needy in this scene that I feel bad for him. Makes me think, you know, sympathy for the devil yeah. or something. I don't it's know. It's hard to be alone. Tell me about it. He does it very subtly, though. Um, You know, I mean, he, you know, when he first starts, he's like, oh, I'm glad you're here. Let's go clean, you know, this tank and here's some gloves. I love the touch of him saying, yeah, sure, let's talk. And then him taking the gloves and putting them in his hand. Yeah. I love that. That's a nice touch. Exactly. But then, you know, he realizes Jesse, you know, and then he he totally changes tack on him and he's like, why do you want this money? This is blood money. I mean, this is the, mm-hmm. the scene was written brilliantly. Uh, and and again, Brian with his facial expressions, amazing. I love when he tells Jesse about you know when he says something about and wh- what and when when you're on drugs again, and there's this moment that flashes his face. He realizes, shit, I've gone, I've gone a little too far there. I'm, yeah. gonna, I'm gonna try. Okay, I'm gonna try a softer tack now. <laughs> pull it back. Yeah, pull yeah. it back. He's <laughs> just so he's just so awful to him. He is. He is. I'm not debating it, and yet somehow I feel sorry for him. All the same, I don't know why. You get nothing if you leave now. <laughs> it's like Ted Knight from Caddyshack. <laughs> you get nothing. No, that was a sympathetic character. <laughs> I love Ted Knight and Caddyshack. Yes. So he's Judge the one I Smales. Root, he's the one I root for. In that I know, movie. Judge Smith. <laughs> Are you my pal? Hey, what a fresca. So, <laughs> so, Sent boys younger than you to the chair. Didn't want to do it. We well, owed it, it to them. <laughs> we don't have to pay for that, do we? No. Okay. <laughs> That's fair use. Um, so uh, in the next scene, I think it's the next scene, um, uh, Hank is in his business meeting mm-hmm. at the... At the uh, the DEA, and I mean, did you guys? I mean, was it a discussion that you guys should have? Um, the the well, I don't know what the guy the position is called. What's the guy sack. from his? Oh yeah, R- Ramy. Okay, he's the yeah. sack. It sack is a, it's not. What a, does that stand for anyway? S- special agent in charge. Oh okay. And ASAC is what Hank is the assistant special, special agent in charge. Okay. But SAC just sounds bad. It sounds vaguely. <laughs> I don't see anatomical. It. I don't know what I, don't know. I have no idea what you're referring to. Yeah, exactly. Um, but did you did you discuss like having him there, or did you want to do like a video a video? It was always a video, and we that was the one. You know, I went pretty smoothly on this shoot, um, except for this. This I thought the the river location was going to be the hardest day. Not that this day was particularly hard, but we had so much fucking problems with that monitor. It kept burning out on us and going what? black, and we a really? lot of that. A lot of that scene is burned in. Yeah, yeah. Burned in, explain that. Means that you're just looking, you're shooting on location a a television that's just a black screen, and then later on you take an image and fit it into the TV screen. So it looks like it's playing on a location. So was was he there, or did you just He was there. uh, He was in in another set. Okay. uh, You know, off. Right next door. And you were basically, you you were live feeding it, but you're saying the monitor would... It would kept go- burning out. Yeah, at some huh. point, it just went. It just died. What the hell is it burning out? What the? <laughs> it just got too hot for some reason. I don't know what. What, what kind of shitty TV this set is on like constantly? I mean, I, like all day. For I know. 12 hours I don't a day. know. I don't know. We and were having problems that day. We were having echo problems and and just a lot of weird things. Could you on. hear him? On he was hearing. He had an earwig in his ear, and he kept hearing his himself on delay. Oh. Well, we had a wor- that had to be worked out too. Oh, that'd be, that'd be and hard. that was something we talked about him being there in person. But story wise, you you yeah that was a it. that was a pitch by the producers to say it would be, just be cheaper <laughs> to to have him there in person instead of doing this other set and feeding it in. It just it I just felt right to yeah. 
do I it like on doing a, it this way. Yeah. But I do like the fact, like I, I was noticing your photographs. I mean, did you go in? Uh, how? Who? When did you guys take the photographs that Hank is looking at? Oh, yeah, I went around I um, while we were prepping. And back back to uh, Ramey, Todd uh, Terry, who plays Ramey, does a good job. I yeah. like him. Yeah, he's solid. He's a good guy. Good and guy. he's basically yeah. telling Hank, you know, you can't, you can't be like the, you know, on the ground, you know, it's, doing knocking on the doors like he used to be. Yeah. What's great about it? He does such now. a good job about showing that he cares for Hank. Yeah. But while simultaneously trying to be tough. A tough boss. He's not being a jerk. Everything he's saying is right. It's like, mm -hmm. and he's not. And he told him that in the beginning, before he got yeah. his promotion, he said, "This he's, is the way it's going to have to yeah, be." Yeah, he's not one of these jerk bosses. He's just, and he's saying, and he's not denying what Hank's saying. He's saying, "Okay, you're right. So what? What does it matter? You got fifty other cases." But you know what? I do love how you put that in there because it just subtly goes to uh, television cops and television shows about cops and all that kind of stuff is television and you know just because you know your house got robbed it doesn't mean the csi team is going to come and take fingerprints because there's been a lot of like talk you know in the earlier days especially about our show well you know so-and-so's fingerprints are on that and they're gonna you know i mean it's like that you know this that, you know there are budgets for these things and you know it doesn't happen like that in the real world just because you know, your bicycle got stolen doesn't mean that, you know, they're going to come and dust, yeah. you know? So, you know, I mean, there, you know, there was, I can't think of a specific example, but I remember, you know, when things would happen, a lot of people would say, well, you know, so into, you know, Jesse's fingerprints are on that can of soda or whatever. And it's like, it, you know, nobody suspects him of anything. You know, yeah. nobody's hard on, you know, and, yeah. and you know, so. I don't um, think Jesse has a record anyway. I no. don't know if his prints are in the system. Either. Well, I didn't mean that as a little. But no, no, I know, I know. I but I love yeah. how you put it in there. And I, I just really think it's great that you put, that you guys put in there about how, look, this, you know, Ramey saying, I understand, you know, and you did some great work, but there is no much more budget for this. We yeah. have other things to do. And, yeah. you know, that's that's important because, yes, the CSI team is not going to come and sweep every time some little thing happens. And now Hank is getting his butt reamed out for it. Well, TV does ruin us, and movies do ruin us for real life, don't they? When you think in terms of <laughs> the doctors of ER, they care so much. And then you go to a hospital in real life, and the you know, they're like hanging out in the break room, and oh, this guy's uh, this guy's uh, uh, this guy's stroking out. All right, I'll be there in a minute. So anyway, you know, it's like this real maybe life. the inverse of the whistle pig situation. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say witch hospital. <laughs> no, I just mean I I I'm 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 being goofy. But in real I can see life, Vince on the operator. This is Vince Gilligan. Walk away, everyone. Just walk away. You know what it is? No, no, they'll be, no, they'll be over Vince Gilligan with the paddles going, tell me what happens at the end of Breaking Bad and I'll help you. If you don't tell me, I'm not going to help you. I don't mean to be putting that. No, you know what it is? It's just when you think of it, I guess what I'm trying to say is human beings can't give of themselves. It's unrealistic. So, yeah. What TV yeah. shows. Well, I mean, with the... Uh, not like our show, <laughs> where everything absolutely everything could happen. All right. Well, we're going to cut this part out, though, I, I fear. <laughs> no, it stays... Anyway, I, I was not. I'm just saying that uh, it's hard to uh, it's hard to give of yourself. That you know, uh, you know, you can't. Every stranger who comes through your door, if you're a doctor or a lawyer or a cop, in TV, every stranger who comes through your door, you give 150 percent, and you, you know, you're emotionally uh, there for them. And you can't do that in real life. I would imagine really yeah, as a cop or as a doctor, or whatever, you can't invest emotionally in whether you care, but it, you can't. It, you can't connect yourself to them so completely emotionally uh, 
that once they, you know, you'd never you'd never make it through your shift, I would think. Seems to me. So whatever. What do I know? Never. <laughs> I never written a doctor show. So yet. Yeah. You've never written a doctor show yet. Yeah. And uh, Todd Terry is a nice return from season two. Yeah, Todd, Todd Terry goes way back to season two when Hank, uh, the aftermath of Hank having a shootout with Tuco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. In El Paso. In El Paso. Well, uh, he was, yeah, he came to visit. It was with uh, Merkert. Yeah, and then right. we, and then in 207 when uh, Hank goes yeah, to El yeah. Paso. Yeah. So, you know, now you have this um, this really wonderful, very, very different, conceptually different montage. Um and the monkeys. This was the one sequence of mine that I did not storyboard at all. Okay. And it and it really was. I, this was my most disorganized day, and I had this concept. I didn't know what the song was going to be going in, but I had this concept of of everything just kind of going from putting a dolly left to right, going, yes. going around the tent. Well, well that's what that I'm was saying. the one that, thing I had going plan. in, it, and, and it shows because yes, that you do have a theme that's going, and you're you're yeah, going the, outside. The to camera moving was outside, was the yes. only thing that I had going in. I was like, I knew I wanted to go around around the tents, all sides. So we just set up on one side, did a couple of dolly moves left to right of the guys doing equipment, you know, different things with the equipment, and then B camera was just in there popping off shots, which was a huge help. But and then our assistant editor uh, Sheridan put a lot of it, you know, together. Uh, to sort of, you know, really get us rolling on that. Um, I can even tell that, that, you know, even some of the action with, you know, not the camera, but just the action of what you have going on moved in, in a certain way. Like when you have your liquids going mm-hmm. through the clear pipes, they're yeah, going yeah. the same way. And, yeah. You know, so that that was really good. Mm-hmm. And, and talk about your song because I... The Monkey's Going Down. I'm a big, uh, big Monkey's fan. And uh, everything I learned about montages, I learned from the Monkey's. Because they did a lot... I mean... They did a lot of crazy stuff in in the late '60s that just was not happening on television. Cutting together things that just were not meant to go together. I mean, just the editing style of that show was sort of revolutionary <laughs> for its time. People might be laughing that I'm saying that, but I really no, feel I like think that. It's true. I really feel like that. Yeah. But and, you know, uh, it's funny too. I've heard that song like for a couple of months now. You know, and, in the and I've always room. been going, "What in the fuck?" <laughs> you know, and I'm like, really. And honestly, it's one of those songs that kind of like it's very loud, very yeah. shrill. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what in the hell? Because I hadn't seen a frame <laughs> of it. I had no idea how you were using it. And I was just going, man, that song is so grating on my nerves at this point. But then when I saw it, I was like, oh my god, it, I had a whole different perspective. It's, it's of funny it. I that loved it. it's funny that I didn't pick this song for this episode, but I had actually written it into episode three hundred seven. Uh, one minute there was going to be Campbell. a montage of <laughs> Walt and Gail together, kind of the opposite of the montage in three hundred six, where everything is clicking and everything's wonderful. There was going to uh-huh. be a, a montage of Gail and and Walt, just sort of not syncing up and that was I had written that song into the script and then uh, because of we were way over and just for budget reasons we cut the montage out entirely never shot it uh, so then once we got to the editing stage I was like well, let's just try that and see what happens and again Sheridan and Skip you know put together this great sequence yeah Skip really by good. the way we should mention did a hell of a great job uh, with this episode uh, oh um, so now we have your second bank vault scene yes I also want to say that the the I'm sorry I want but the 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 bank teller is named after my grandmother, Dorothy Yobbs. You see the nameplate on her desk. Mm. So I after we were done shooting, I took the nameplate and gave it to my grandmother. <laughs> what what Yobbs? What kind of name is Yobbs? I don't know. Nobody's. It's gotta be it. short for something. Yeah, I think. Uh, Yabberific. <laughs> I think it's. That's an, my guess. Yeah. I like it. I don't know what it's short for, and nobody seems. Well, nobody will admit. 
to me what it, what it actually where it came from but uh, that's all I do so y y I love when you've got the I knew what was going to happen but I love when you when he's in there and then you look towards the door and there's Gomez smiling like oh yeah big grin he had a great yeah we did that scene Steve's we, good in this episode he's good yeah, yeah. I, I that was one I just held the camera on him and just asked him to say hey a couple of times and I kept doing it until I la until I got a laugh until I felt like that was the that was the one and he finally on that one that we used in the episode I was like that's it that's the <laughs> just the way he said it for some reason really what do you mean until really you, you mean until you yourself laughed or until you Til heard the audio the no until I laughed oh, until I gotcha. I <laughs> um, yeah, he was fine I love that and I love the scene before that he's he's just really good in that scene with uh, his uh, his now boss his former partner now boss said the shit ain't deep deep enough for yeah, you yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> I really, I got to say that I know that the lawyer, I can't, what's the lawyer's name? Chris Freihoffer is the, the actor, actor, but uh, Dan Waksberger is Okay, the... Dan. Lawyer Dan. I got to say that, you know, I know Lawyer Dan has made his own choices, but I really felt sorry. For, I really feel bad for sure. him. I really do. I feel yeah. sorry for him. Because yeah. it's like, you. I don't think that he realizes what, who he's dealing with and what kind of, do you, does he realize who he's dealing with? Does he realize the magnitude of this kind of thing? Does he realize how much trouble? He's got to know. How bad do you feel for him? He sold Mike out in like a heartbeat. Yeah, he sold Mike out. Know, it took 24 hours. I just, I just feel like <laughs> he sold. 12 hours, whatever it was. But I feel like he sold Mike out because he has no idea who he's dealing with. Like he just does not know. I, I feel a lot worse for him. If because you know what? I guess because Mike does vet. I feel bad for him. He does vet these people. So yeah. I feel bad for him because he makes cake pops. Cake and, pops. Yeah, and, and cookies. So I kind of like the guy. just stuck with the cake yeah. pops and not gotten into the money laundering. There you go, kids. Kids, stick with the cake pops. You go pops, to film kids. school, work in the equipment room, and and, and make cake make pops cake instead pops. of laundering pops. money. Um, and don't and don't be a slack jawed rat. <laughs> so don't Walt, sell out your uh, you know the people you stole money with. Mm -hmm. Thank so you. So Walt gets Walt goes back to Hank's house and back to Hank's office to get the bug. And does the whole crying thing. It was the crying again. thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. That, that was, was a, a great touch. People were really cracking up on set during that. When they did the, uh, re we did a read through first, and it was this, it got a good crew reaction, which was nice. I love the scene before it with Anna. Yes. The, the, the scene before where. Uh, oh, with the microwave food. The microwave, yeah, and, and Walt comes Sorry. out, and Brian does this great thing with uh, taking off the, the plastic, the cellophane top off the microwave meal, and Anna, meanwhile, has just got her enormous white wine glass. I love it. Enormous. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> she, that's like a mainstay now with her. Yeah. Like she's drinking the, the big wine glass. Do we have another box of wine? <laughs> I know, she's great. I had to eat the uh, the food they were eating because uh, Anna said it was so disgusting, so I went in there and, and took a fork and ate some just for solidarity. Did it have a scab on it? It did. Was there a scab? There was an actual there scab, and scab. I, don't, I think something fell off Trina's hands into the <laughs> food. Oh. But it was yummy. It was good. Um, and then you have the scene that You're not when defiled I, Trina. I remember when she's I read lovely. The, uh, she has scabby hands. <laughs> I remember when I read the the outline for this, my heart absolutely went out, and I. It was so sad. I just I just thought it was one of the most sad things. And I must say that I, I'm glad that you did capture the emotion because I, I felt so very sad. Okay. Well, that's Jonathan again, you know. With Kaylee. And he has to Knocking several things out of the park. He knocked that one out of the park, too. So that was and I did like, you know, how you have the, 
the shot of the sky and mm-hmm. her legs go flying up mm-hmm. in the sky and that that was really sad yeah i just was I like know. how can he oh my god he left her. well he, now i wish you were here because uh, for a lot of reasons with jonathan he said something about it. he wouldn't have done that yeah he would never he would not he have didn't left. did he not want to play it that way or he no he was very you know gracious he wanted to do it the way we wanted to do it but he just wanted it known that he and even the character mike would never have left his granddaughter alone in the park but like what would he have done though i guess he would have been arrested but he would then, have been picked up okay what? but we also don't yeah. know that he doesn't call Kaylee's mom yeah, yeah, as I he's mean, walking away. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, he's, he could be taking care of But you can see the pain, the pain on his face. You know, he does not want he to. He knows this is probably yeah. the last time that he's ever going to see her. But also that, you know, that he's just, he's leaving her. That's, mm-hmm. it's a, he's a, oh, that's horrible. It's so sad. It is. No, I think she's still sad. there. I just hear the, the sound of swinging in my ears. I think well, she's that's the still great, there. Squeak the great thing about the, there. It's in the Dave, middle of the night swinging away. So Dave Porter's final music that plays over the credits, he incorporated the sound of the swing into that. And when we heard it, we were just like, oh, she's just there swinging and swinging forever and ever. Oh, no. Oh, my God. It was just even sad. I think it's like the dog. It's like uh, Crazy Eight's dog back in the pilot. He's still <laughs> wandering around Crazy Eight's empty house, wondering when he's going to be yeah, fed. Yeah. Maybe we could get those two together. I know. A girl and her dog. That'd be sweet. And now, unfortunately, you know, we get to the scene with Saul, and Bob's gone. I know. I tried. Uh, we should have. Huh? You'd... I tried while he was here. We had good conversation with with, with Bob, though. No. We did. Always. He was okay in it. <laughs> no. I didn't want to be I nasty. Love, I didn't want to be nasty to his face, so it's better he left. <laughs> I love the rant that he has about why'd you hire that guy? Why, why would you? Why would he's a hack. Yeah. Oh, he was very, come he's to me before you seek outside counsel. I remember right when we were working on that scene and, and and talking about it in the tone meeting before directing. I remember Vince saying, you know, I don't. It doesn't matter if if Saul is serious as a heart attack here. If he's not funny at all, that's fine with me. And uh, secretly, I was thinking, "What are you crazy? I want Saul to be funny." <laughs> no, Wait. but we—it was a—it was a, a serious, you know, serious moment. But I'm glad that the humor did come out. No, it absolutely did. It came out oh, great. It's really funny. My my point my point was, you never want this show has a surprise, and even I am surprised how much humor there is in this series. Uh, and I think that's wonderful, and I'm all for it. But you never want it to be the exp- at the expense of reality. I mean, this is. They're all afraid in this moment of getting caught. They're all afraid of it all coming to an end. Yeah. So if you don't feel a real legitimate, honestly earned fear that he would be feeling right here in this scene, if instead it's simply wisecracky, then then it's a failure. And the original scene, the way it was shot, had a lot of, again, for time, there was a lot of silence at the beginning of the scene where Saul's pacing back and forth and everybody's kind of wondering, what the hell do we do and why is Mike not calling? Yeah. Uh, but we then we just, as Vince says, let's just cut to the fucking, and we got right into it. I do. <laughs> I say it. He says it a lot. I cut say to the it fucking. a lot. Um, it's usually when I'm home alone right. watching DVDs. <laughs> oh, my God. It's me yelling at the screen. As cut to the can, fucking. So <laughs> they can hear me. Why is Melissa disgusted with us? I, <laughs> why, do you, why, why do you judge? Who's judging? Who's <laughs> judging? You're not cutting this that out. This whole podcast no. is one giant locator. Oh, no. <laughs> um, anyway, it was just we got into the scene much quicker, so the, actually the comedy helped it, I think, because uh, we just got to it, and he's Saul's right in the middle of that. Dan Waxberger, you know, 
to the, the I was also proud of I don't know why I decided to write the words Mo, Larry, and Shemp instead of oh, Curly. Yeah, yeah. Curly, for some reason, because Shemp, Shemp was... F- <laughs> Shemp is better. I, I, you know what? Shemp is funny. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Of, of Saul going to the non-obvious. I love Curly. I'm a Curly man. But Shemp... The older I get, the more I appreciate Shemp. Yeah. I think Shemp was underrated. I really... I love Shemp. And what about I, Joe? No. Fuck no. <laughs> Joe Besser or Curly Joe Dorita? Which one? I think oh, God. the worst of all was uh, which one was the worst? The was, was the one who never allowed himself. I'm not to here smacked. to judge Stooges. I'm just anybody. One people, of the worst. People want to love Curly Joe, then go ahead and love Curly Joe. Curly Joe was okay. I think it was Joe, Joe Besser. Besser yeah. Joe Besser was the one who who talked like Paul Lind, and he <laughs> and he wouldn't he would not allow himself to get slapped. It was mm-hmm. in his contract. Yeah. I didn't Such know that. A, no, it just those are awful. They, they should just burn all the negatives on yeah. those. No, I like it. Stick with uh, stick with Shemp or uh, the original. original there you go, kids. Is another Shemp lesson is definitely for you. the funniest learning so much in this podcast. Name, regardless. Shemp seems very world weary in a way that Cur- Curly is just like a overgrown man child simpleton, and he's always happy. But Shemp has more layers because he has this world weariness. I love getting this, this analysis of the of the Stooges, the Stooges. Everybody's tuned the fuck oh, out yeah. at this point. Anyway. It doesn't, doesn't even matter. Yeah, we're almost done. What I'm interested in hearing, uh, maybe, as I, I don't, what I, I, don't said, I don't, I don't, I don't look at any boards or anything. But Vince said something that scared the hell out of me. It was that he said, after people watch this episode, they're going to be really angry. Yeah, well, we'll see. I I agree. So. I think I think so. I do uh, think there are a lot of Mike fans out there. Yeah. Oh, well, we're we're Mike fans. Right. Well, just it felt like it was. I'm a big, I'm a time. huge Mike fan. Oh yeah, but it just felt like it I was didn't time. I didn't want to kill him. But I mean, you kind of you have to keep. People you think know, I made you do it now. He <laughs> <laughs> did. You have to keep things moving. He you know what I mean? It. And you know you have to. I, um, I didn't even think I Walt was... wanted to do it in a weird way. The moment the gun goes off, Brian Cranston's face is it's wonderful. In that moment, great directing, great acting. Because mm-hmm. in that moment. It's like, what did I just do? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he's apologizing. He's like, oh, I didn't need to do it because. And then we, you know, Jonathan says, "Fuck you. Let me die, Lord." Does he say shut, shut, shut the fuck up? Shut the fuck up. Let, Let me, me die, die in peace. peace. And I think you actually see a bit of the old Walt yeah. in his like run to the car, like all the stuff he's <laughs> yeah. doing. Yeah. He's got a good run. His, he's got a good yeah, run. Yeah. It's Walt. It's more of a prance. It is. It's a. It's a, a little prance. earlier. It's like a Lipizzaner stallion. Breaking Bad than Heisenberg, yes. I would say, which Lip, I love. Lipizzaner stallion and wallabies. Well, let me ask you this: When Walt says he'll go take the bag to, um, uh, Mike, is Walt planning on? Do you think Walt's planning on doing something? I don't think at he's that point? planning at all. I don't think he has any plans. At that when moment, he sees the gun in the bag, why does he, he take down? the gun though? I think after he sees the gun. I think when you're talking about uh, you're talking about in Saul's office when he says yes. I'll go, I don't think he has any plans then. When he sees the gun, I think he never knows what's going to happen with Mike. I mean, I think he might even take it just so Mike protection. doesn't have a gun or protection for himself because he just earlier the previous the other episode ended with a gun. He was tied to a radiator and it had a gun to his head and Mike was ready to shoot him. So he's like he sees this gun it's probably better for Mike not to have access to so, it than not. So basically, I'm I'm assuming part of what drives him is when Mike brings up that guy again, that guy, mm-hmm. you know, that Gus guy. Friend, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to tell the audience. I, you know, my opinion is one thing. I mean, I think anybody can think whatever reason they want why took why Walt took the gun and why he did what he did. 
uh, I guess I have my opinions. But, but you can tell that <clears throat> it's just bur it burns him up when when you oh, know yeah. that you've got that great speech of that you wrote when Mike says, um, you know, we had a good thing going. You know, we had if you had just known your place. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, that's that right. place. That's, that's, I think that's the trigger. That's throwing, that's throwing gasoline on the fire. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, and Walt's like, Whoa. and that's you know, I'd love to take credit for that line, but that's one of those things that we all we all work together in the room on. And I remember that particular line came up, and it was like, oh yeah, if Walt hears that, telling him that he, you know, if he had known his place, that that would just drive him fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and I have no idea. I, I didn't remember that was mentioned in the room, but. Oh, yeah. Now that you say it, I guess it was, but I have no memory of who's. That's the beauty of this job is that there really is a group mind that clicks on, and you forget who said what. Um, I'm curious about the location because it's totally Christian. Our location managers is found amazing, it's, it's amazing. Just, it's not dry desert. It's it's a lush, swampy looking. He had river he had place. several locations lined up, and he says, "You know what? I'm just going to take you to the one that I think is the one." And I got there, and I was like, "Oh my god." Send these pictures to Vince right away and just see if he loves them as much as, <laughs> as I do. And and it doubled as the well location. We also shot. That was a big day. That was the day I thought was going to be the hardest. And uh, and it was, right? Or was um, it? It was, a big, it was a really big day. Again, the day we had the technical difficulties with the uh, ASACs, the, the, you know, ASAC and the SAC, uh, that, that was kind of frustrating. We, <laughs> that was just a hard day because nothing was going right. This This day, everybody was really clicking. And uh, I felt I, when I remember we were scouting locations, and uh, we do a we do a walk of all the locations with the crew, so everybody knows where to put the lights and where to park the trucks. And I, my announcement to them was this: this is going to be the hardest day of all. So, just what everybody knew it? going in. Do you actually what? talk to the crew? Are they allowed to make eye contact? <laughs> They're not. I tell them not to. No, the crew loves me. I get so much. I, so many people come up to me and say, do "Tom, they? they do. They really do. They say, can I hug you naked with your penis in me?'" And I, I'm like, oh, "Yeah, whatever. Sure, we can do that." Okay, the Teamsters say that. Yeah. So what about the? All right. And when I say everyone does it, I think it's just Aaron. But I want to think it's more people. Well, let me um, let me ask you this though: What day was that? Out of eight. That was uh, that was a Monday because we wanted to get there really uh, bright and early in the morning. So that was day uh, five. So that was just um you know a little over halfway through. Yeah, we were exactly halfway shot, through. Yeah, you shot Mike, and then basically have, he has to come and do all of his other work, but he's already yeah been shot. Yeah, because we shot we did that scene, and then we did the teaser was the next day, uh, was the Tuesday, so we shot the beginning of the the episode the on day uh, six. So let me ask it, you this. It, it, I'd, I'd love it, by the way, if we could always... We can't. It's it's just technical impossibility. I wish we could shoot these in order. <laughs> no, I mean, just for, you know, so. but but we don't... Luckily, the the actors are so good, yeah. they don't really require it. But I'm, I got to imagine it's tough. I guess my point being, I got to imagine it's tough to do a big death scene like this and then, you know, earlier on, and then and yeah. then, and then then shoot the beginning scene where everybody's still alive. And It was a physically alive. exhausting day for... For Jonathan in particular, because he was playing golf all weekend and he hurt his back, so uh, <laughs> he, he uh, so yeah, he had to get he had to be there. At, you know, we were shooting very early. The sun comes up. He's doing the whole well scene, then he has to go do the whole big emotional confrontation with with Walt and uh, our great stunt driver drove into a rock, and then uh, oh, yeah. he had to go. Jonathan had to go down and die by the river. Was that a real rock? I mean, he, what you're seeing is that he, there were those big giant weird boulders i don't know why they were there but they were lining the edge of the hill uh 
is there to keep the runaway cars from going into the into the Rio uh, yeah. Rio Grande? Yeah. There. And he he just stuntman just basically just drove it into a rock, opened the door, crawled out, so that by by the time that that Brian got there, there was the car was empty. Interesting. Even though we cut back and forth, we did a whole continuous shot. But I love how you you got behind the you got behind Walt with a handheld camera mm-hmm. and ran behind him. Yeah. Was it a handheld or steady cam? It was a steady cam. Yeah. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, it didn't seem as as smooth as a steady. That's why I liked it. I saw, by it the way, rough. I saw in one of these AMC behind the scenes things. It's probably available online. I, there's some footage. I wasn't there, but there's some footage of Aaron with a steady cam on. Oh yeah, I saw that. That was like three, I think. Yeah. What the yeah. hell? I I tried one of those things on one time. It was like being in, in a medieval torture device. <laughs> How the thing was killing me? I was in that thing for like two minutes. I was like, get it off me! Yeah. And he's, you know, Aaron is yeah. a is a, a supple life young life man. Young man. He's like. Uh, how did With he, no back problems. And he, yeah. And it, well, yeah, that's the key. I've had back surgery <laughs> twice. That's the difference. And he had a real, uh, the movie camera on it. I had like a little video camera on it. I was like, yeah, it hurts. Uh, that thing is, I, uh, my hat's off to anyone who can operate a, a steady job, yeah. That's a hard job. They have like, didn't I, I, I thought we've talked about this before, but you know, they've, we've, they have steady cam camps. Like they have like camps that you can sign up for. Like to go do it, and like they they like take you like running over rooftops and stuff like that, you know, with these things. I'm gonna open that. Wow. I'm gonna open up Camp Steady Cam. Camp. Camp Steady Come on, kids. You know, <laughs> Camp Steady Cam. These operator, these but operators I have, do I've, it. I have heard the operators that have stopped doing Steady Cam like gain 20 pounds right away. Yeah. Yeah. From like the the water weight you lose from sweating uh, from having yeah. it all the time, and just from being so you know. Yeah, that's really that I'm just. Sorry, I'm still picturing if the parents would allow their kids to go to Camp Steady Camp, knowing that Tom Schmaus was wrong. Yeah, come on, kids. Look them up on the uh, offender database. That's all I'm saying. Just first, before you send your kids. Mean. Did you That's go to mean. trombone camp? I did not go to trombone camp, no. But you play the trombone. I did at one you point. You do? I played the. Why don't you I bring it the, in the office? I, played I got a guitar, grade. man. We could jam. Yeah, I play the piano. I rented can, my trombone. Know. I don't own it. <laughs> you know what? We'll go get you one. You got a birthday coming up. Yeah. Would you like seven slide positions? There's a rental, uh, a instrument rental place across the street. Oh, we should Vince. go. We should go. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. A DVD extra. Yeah, next Hilarious. podcast. Let's all just bring instruments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just Play. jam. Yeah. Just jam for it six might be hours more productive or however fucking long these things are now. We really should wrap this up. Uh, you know I what I love, too? Got, I love you the, need to uh, get back in the writer's room, right? Yeah, this is more fun. <laughs> also, I love the uh, the bloody handprint on the rock. That was, uh, that was, it was your idea, right? To do, put that in? Cause it didn't yes, exist. it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he loves it. It was a great, because when we shot it, we put blood on the ground, but... And to I, it was like, God, this is a lot of fucking blood. You cannot see it at all oh, on I camera. Don't, I don't see it, it at all. It sinks right. It got soaked right into the ground. So they were like, yeah, it's, it's there, but you don't see it. So we had this, the <laughs> shot I had of Walt going down the hill kind of ended, and there's a rock in the foreground. And Vince said, let's put a, di- you know, we'll digitally put a, a handprint there. And I was like, yeah, all right. So it didn't it, exist. It's amazing it's- uh, what our uh, Bill Pulaski and Diane Mercer and, and the folks uh you know, it just—it's amazing. It, it's magic. It's a magic, magic what they can do now. It's digital magic. It's digital magic. And then we had that great sunlight down by the river, and uh, Mike, yeah. Mike uh, went away. Is it? Oh, is so it sad. the? It, why do you say it? Rio Grande or Rio Grande? I mean, <laughs> we've talked about this on the podcast. Potato, <laughs> potato. Rio Grande is a very anglicized way of saying it. So it's got to be Rio Grande, right? I say Rio Grande, but you know. I say Arroyo Grande. <laughs> is that not right? 
Yeah. I've been saying it wrong all these years. Nobody's corrected me. What the hell? You are the director. I, I say Mississippi. Well, you have your way. Anyway. Anyway. This is a beautiful uh, episode. You did a great job. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. It was really, really great. Involved. Uh, it's I very, hope that very don't be angry at me. Yeah. R.I.P. Mike Herman Trout. <laughs> uh, poor Mike. And uh, Jonathan Banks just did a stellar job playing this character. And uh, we we did not approach this lightly. We did not. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you. Was not I was going to ask you, Vince. Um, you know, uh, when you when you knew about this, how did you go about telling Jonathan? In all seriousness. In all seriousness, uh, it's funny you ask that. I was uh, I, I was dreading it. I was dreading telling him. Uh, just as I was dreading telling... Did you put on uh, body armor? Uh, no. Just as I was dreading uh, telling uh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito the year before about his demise. Although with Giancarlo, I knew it would probably end in a hug. And uh, because he's a sweet guy, he's a hugger. He's a very... I mean, I mean in the best possible way. He's like, oh, you know, he's a sweet guy. As opposed with, to... With Jonathan, I thought I might get punched in the heart. <laughs> he threatens it so often. I figured one of these days it's actually going to happen. So, uh, so we were at uh, Aaron Paul's... Uh, Aaron and his lovely fiance Lauren uh, had a, a very nice engagement party. Uh, however, many when was that? It was many months ago now. Uh, at a house up in the Hollywood Hills. I couldn't tell you because I wasn't invited. <laughs> this was only for yeah, the important is, people. Really, uh, too, I'm breaking so. bad. Uh, it probably was not perfectly timed. But you know, you know why I did it. No. So we couldn't because I had a couple bourbons in me. No, you know why? Because witnesses. Because I don't. Witnesses. Because I don't see Jonathan that often. Because he lives in Malibu, and when he's shooting, I'm most often not there. And I was face to face with him, and he asked me. Ask Gordon to talk to him about phone call. No, I figured. This this felt like a face to face thing. No, it did. It felt like a face-to-face thing. Should it have been face-to-face at the party? Probably not. Yeah. But it felt like a face-to-face thing. And also, and I, I, I remember now why, because he was saying, he started talking business. He said, so, you know, what's the story with, you know, where's this going and blah, blah, blah. So I said, you know what? Okay. And I, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to do it face-to-face because he's a, a great guy and he. That's why I know, never, I never asked they, Vince you know, about my future him. at the. At the show, because I never know what he's going to say, so I just never bring it yeah, up. Just and don't look it. too happy. Just no. avoid don't it. Look, just, just don't look, look happy. Don't, don't, don't be in the stair in the stairway or the hallway. Just don't be alone with him. Yeah. That's it. Like Lydia, Tom goes to his office and smiles in his pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Screams into his pillow. I do. Just, when, you, when you go past Vince's office, just run past. I do, yeah. Run, mm-hmm. run past. It was probably not timed perfectly well, <laughs> but I wanted to do it face-to-face, yeah. and he was I asking, he was asking about business. There you go. He's like, well, I blame Jonathan. <laughs> I, I really do blame Jonathan. But I think the point is, whenever we've had to say goodbye to these cast members, Vince takes that very seriously and and tells them, you know, they never discover that in a script. And I think on other shows, other places, that might happen. It would never happen on our show. It's you know, it's a a family, and um, and it you know all these decisions are taken very seriously, thought about for weeks and weeks, sometimes months, sometimes more than that. And so, you see why I keep Melissa around. Yeah. You see how good she made me sound, just then. <laughs> so when I appreciate so when, that. That season, made me sound good. In season one, when the writers when the writers strike, you know, uh, uh, cut us short. Were you going to tell Jesse that he was going to die before? You decided before that. No, though, I told right? him. I had to wait before that. Yeah, oh, yeah I, I told oh, really? him in episode two. I said, "Hey, guess what? We we're killing some time behind the monitors." I said, "Guess what? I was going to kill you off at the end of the season." Hey, another example of good timing. <laughs> 
Aaron's face lost all blood. <laughs> but I said, no, no, this is a good thing. I wouldn't be telling you this if I was going to. I mean, I'd tell you eventually, but I wouldn't. I, I'm telling you now because there's, I'm not going to do that because I like you. For the next three seasons, every time he'd get a script, he'd say, is there something I should know? Is, is, is it me this time? And poor Brian doesn't, I mean, not, uh, not poor Aaron, Brian tortures him all the time with the... Oh, yes. They were going to uh, kill you, you were adopted, that kind of story. Is it that one? Is that one does too? Brian's always reading the script first and then saying, ooh, oh, buddy, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> poor Aaron is an easy target. Oh, my He's God. He's so sweet. And uh, anyway, but uh, we we already miss Mike. Uh, there probably will be uh, uh, vitriol and anger coming. Tom Tom Schnauz, by the way, writer director, coming his way. And I heard that you bring it bring it on, motherfuckers. That, that you were fighting. <laughs> it. I guess you know with with um, you were you guys were fighting over which episode was going to actually. It was get to uh, yeah. Right? Uh, it was well, almost in a five oh eight. I mean, it was it was well, back and forth yeah. for a long time, and we really spent a long long time breaking. Those both those episodes. Well, we we wanted you, you you want your biggest dramatic moments as late in your story as possible, and and story by story, I mean in this case the arc of eight episodes. You want you figure you could put your biggest stuff last, and we very much thought Mike would pass away in in episode eight, but it turns out we got big stuff coming in episode eight. So until next week, there's some big, big stuff left. And what's the name of that episode? Episode eight is called Gliding Over All. Can you give us the, should we wait until next week for you to explain that title or can you give us a little bit yeah, of People it? can, I don't know, people have, uh, people are smart. They have yeah, I guess that we should, part we of a wait. Vaseline advertising campaign. <laughs> Ooh. Gliding. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. Mm. <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs> Anything else you want to say, Tom, about your um, I had I had sexual proclivity directing experience, <laughs> or both? I had a great time with both. Um, no, I, I it was truly amazing, and I thank you, Vince, for the opportunity. It was just uh, where's my check? It's coming, <laughs> and it really, I got to job. I got to day eight and the final shot, and it was over. I was like, what the hell happened? It was it was here and gone and it goes <laughs> so quick doesn't it It really yeah, fly i mean when you're in it it just uh it really flew by yeah. it was so. great man i really did a great it. job all seriousness when i, when I great came job. over last night to watch it i was like oh great you know i'm looking i'm going i know it's going to be good but god you know i'm here at midnight you know watching this thing and after a ball game after and uh did the dodgers and win or lose? they lost uh, um so you're in but, a real good mood okay but uh but it, it was, I think that when, even when in the opening shot, I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And then, oh, you know, and it, he, was, I it mean, was just a stellar. And I just, I, I really, really loved it. I really and he, he delivered across the board. I mean, in, in prep, on the set, an incredible problem solver in the moment. I mean, it was so impressive. Kept cool under like every possible and still circumstance. Still had time to joke around, huh? This is two directors this season: writer directors, uh, members, longtime members of the writing staff. George Masters, the train episode, and now Tom. I am very. I got to tell you, I was nervous going into this yeah, season. You said that. I was nervous because you know you want these guys have delivered for a long time now. They all deserve their shot at directing. But on the other hand, you think to yourself, you know, I'm greedy. I want to keep them in the writers' room where where uh, where I need them. Or more but, likely, but what if they fuck it up? <laughs> well, 
I wasn't thinking in terms of that. I was thinking in terms of, you know, stick with what you know. Well, we've, we've got great yes. directors who Sam we Sam is directing or, in, in his next season, so he'll, he'll, he'll have to suffer through that. Oh, God, I, I, I did a wrong thing. I should <laughs> I made a mistake. I, th- I got a good feeling about it, all four of you guys. And then Peter crossed, Gould man. again. But, uh, oh, one last thing about Dave Porter's score. I love that bit that we talked about. There was a little shout-out musically in the, in the in the teaser to he has a little bit of musical uh callback to that similar scene when walt met gus out in the desert and way back mm-hmm. at the end of uh great great season uh season uh, three. Three, three i think yeah. well was it the crawlspace episode no no, no uh, uh when when uh walt full shows measure. full measure yeah Anyway, I, wow. I'm, I'm stringing this along uh, unnaturally because I don't want to go back to the writer's room. Yeah. But this has been but fun. This has been a good you one. You must. We need you. Uh, this has been a good one. But uh, great awesome. job, Tom. Thank and, you. Uh, next week, 508. Great episode next week. Gliding overall. Gliding overall. Right. Written by uh, Moira Wiley Beckett and directed by Michelle, Michelle. McClellan. Thank you, Kelly. Thank, Thank you. you Kelly. Thanks, you guys, for taking time out of your day. Now get back to work because November is winter is coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll see you uh, next week uh, with uh, the last uh, podcast for quite a while. Um, and uh, the last I can keep episode. coming in to do podcasts if you uh, want. Well, you're more than welcome to do it's it, just man. Just keep doing podcasts. <laughs> you know, somebody, while said, the... somebody said on one of the, on one of the boards, they said, Can't, when, when they were joking last week about coming in just to do podcasts, I re- just to talk about their day, I really wish they'd do that. And I'm like, not a no, fucking chance in hell, man. No, you don't. Not a chance. Thank you for thinking it, but, but uh, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you everybody for listening, and uh, we're going to go break bad, so we will see you next week. <laughs>